It's good to sing that song, wasn't it? Um, uh, Keith Getty and his wife, Kirsten, they were on Songs of Praise last week. Can anyone see them on Songs of Praise? Being interviewed, giving their testimony, singing a new song, which was really lovely. But uh, I admit I watch Songs of Praise occasionally, but it's an extremely popular show. If you want to keep up with culture, you should watch it now and then. Good, good music too. Anyway, there we are. Let's move into uh, God's word for today. We're in this series entitled Moving Forward, Living God's Ways, today's subject. We're with the Israelites, the Old Testament people of God. They came out of Egypt, as I'm sure you may know from the stories. And they have been in the desert for 40 years. The older generation have now gone. They've died. Now, just those ones who uh, were children when the disastrous decision not to trust God and not to go into the land, those people's children are now in responsibility. Moses is still around. Joshua and Caleb are there, but that's all. All the others have now gone. They've all died. And now this group of people have been told, as we saw last week, by God through Moses that it's time to get going again. Forty years of treading water, if you like, have now come to an end. I don't know how you get on treading water. Um, Imagine doing it for 40 years. Well, not literally, but that's the kind of position that they've been in. Now, somebody, I don't know who, um, said that actually you don't really grow up until your parents have died. I don't know whether that's true. Do you agree with that or not? That there's a sense that when you you, you really kind of become... Uh, really grown up when you're the last one, as it were, you're, or you're the next responsible generation. And, and it's whether you believe that or not, for these people, they are it now, as it were. It's now going to be up to them, up to them to take this uh, or to move forward as a community into the land God had promised them, into everything that God wanted for them. I wonder whether you're in that kind of place today. Well, you might be thinking, well, that's all right. I'm under 40, so it can't apply to me. But now I'm not thinking of just that. I mean, there are lots of times, aren't there, in our lives when suddenly we realize there's a big change coming. There's a new start. There's a sense of moving on. You may be moving on. Some, I think they're all gone now, but some of the students graduating. We say goodbye to some of them last Sunday. Really sad. They've been with us for three years and contributed in so many ways. Some of others of you may be uh, leaving school or, or some other new phase in your life. Maybe for us as a church, as we think about what we're going to be doing uh, with these uh, new facilities that the Lord is uh, providing for us. Uh, you know, are we going to be moving on now? It's kind of up to us in a sense. Do you have that feeling? With us as a church, uh, Alistair reminded us in, in, in one of the prayer times, the days of prayer and fasting, one of those evening prayer meetings, that uh, as a for church fellowship, Ports would talk first about doing something with the back to um, enable some more community outreach, what, about 30 years ago? Um, and planning permission wasn't granted, it couldn't happen. Uh, I'm not making direct parallels here in, in any sense at all, but that sense of moving forward, what has God got to say to us, to you. First of all, Moses brings God's words to these people in Deuteronomy, chapter first four, three chapters. 
and uh, he kind of brings them this team talk. <laughs> He's kind of getting them ready, you know, hope it's a better talk than uh, the England team got. But anyway, you know, that kind of thing. He's teaching them something. He's getting them ready for this next wave, this next move forward. And he starts by um, telling them about the mistakes that they made. And we saw last week that his whole message to us is, don't make the same mistakes again. But there's more to it than that. Now, when I was in um, school uh, quite a long time ago, this may surprise you, um, it surprised me, but I ended up on the school sports day running for my house, you know, in schools. Let me just say, I didn't go to a public school. This was a grammar school, so um, I don't have that elite education, but I had an almost elite education. But from from that, I was in my schoolhouse, uh, and uh, it was, I think, in the fourth year or something like that, third year maybe, and... um, I had to run. I, I somehow got running in the 440-yard race, which was once around our school track. And I did that, and I came third uh, out of four, uh, which wasn't too bad, really. There were only four houses, and, and one of us ran for each house. Uh, our house was called Cams. That suddenly came into my head. It was in Fairham, and Cams was a part of Fairham, and our house was called Cams. Not a very attractive name for a team, but anyway, that was it. So there I did. I did that, came third. And I was sitting with my singlet on, you know, and, and uh, you know, afterwards thinking, oh, well, that was over. And then it came up to the mile race, which is four times around the track. And for some reason, the, the, the kid who was going to run the mile couldn't do it. And, and, and there was this kind of wave of who's going to do this oh you could do it John says somebody one of my friends and they were like parents there and other people this kind of wave of positivity came round. you know you can do that John you you could do that so I thought well all right I suppose I did well I started and um I collapsed after three laps of the four and um I ended up in bed for the about five days with heat stroke Partly, I think, because I've been sitting in my... I told you earlier, I was sitting in my singlet in the blazing sun. That's my excuse. But basically, I started... Starting was a challenge, but the positivity made me do it. Uh, Finishing was impossible. Now, Moses doesn't want the the Israelites to be like that. He doesn't want them to start into the promised land and then not finish, not keep going. So what is God going to say to these people, to us, about this whole business of keeping going? Because it was going to be for them about the long haul. Once they'd gone into this land, they were meant to live there. They were meant to be there and live there and be there for God's glory for generations. And how were they going to do that? How were they going to live there God's way? What is it for you with that thing, that next thing? How are you going to be sustained there in that next phase? God's way, living God's way. How are we as a church, as we move into the next phase, going to be living God's way? How can we ensure that, not unlike me in my, my mile race, that we don't start full of positivity but actually collapse for other reasons before it's through? That's what we're thinking about. And we're going to look at some really big ideas from the book of Deuteronomy, because the whole book of Deuteronomy is in fact Moses' team talk to the Israelites just before they move off into the promised land. He can't go there himself, and we won't go into the reasons for that, but it's a very sad story, but he can't go. But he knows they're going to go, and he, he has something to say to them from God 
that will enable them to be sustained. And that's what we're thinking about. How are we going to live for God? How will we be sustained? And he starts off talking about the past, about what went wrong, as we saw last time, how their hearts were turned away, unbelief took over, fear trumped everything. Uh, and then they, they, they turn back from the borders of the promised land. And then he reminds them that actually for those 40 years, the Lord was still with them. He was still caring for them. And that just recently, when Moses uh, starts off, and this is in chapters 1, 2, and 3, just recently, as they, as, they, as they moved up towards the promised land, God has given them some pretty amazing victories. They've, they've had to take on some cities, and they've had some battles. They've fought a huge army. And the Lord enabled them to win. Uh, They'd taken on some fortified cities and they prevailed. And they'd even found themselves in battle against a giant king called Og. What a great name for a king. He was huge. He had a bed about 20 foot long. There's details of it in in the text. Uh, Do you remember what the spies said? We can't go there. The cities are too strong. They're fortified. They've got giants in the land. And already God was kind of going with them and Moses reminds them of that that's where we get to chapter four and then in chapter four he starts to look towards the future now Deuteronomy is a very big book and these are words that were spoken to ancient Israelites they're about to set up a very different kind of state in a very different kind of world to us a different kind of state compared to all the ones around them at the time but you know it just seems way off as far as we're concerned What can this old book possibly have to say to us? We can't follow its details in terms of the law and the customs. It's not appropriate. We can't follow its approach to the people of the land. They were going to go in and, and, and in God's name, slaughter them. And, and you know, that's not how we are as New Testament, as, as followers of Christ today. But there are key principles about what it means to be with God as we move out of treading water into something new or move from not treading water into a new phase of your life. Our relationship with God is key. That's no different in some ways than it was here and now, here and then and there as it were. The details may look different in our world and they will be different because of what we know of God's truth revealed in Jesus. So for the next couple of weeks we're going to be thinking about this. How do we finish the race well not just to start it. How do we live in the land of promise, if you like, beyond just arriving there? How will we live fruitfully and flourish as we go forward into the next phase with God? And I'm going to pick up some key ideas in the book and we're going to go through some some of the themes. We're going to start in chapter 4, which is on page 182. uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4. Now, I'm going to be moving around uh, quite a lot, um, so you may have to keep your fingers fully exercised on, but all through the pages of Deuteronomy this morning. Let's read it. Here now, this is Moses speaking to all the Israelites. Here now, O Israel, the decrees and laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. Do not add to what I command. And do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. Verse 5. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me, 
so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these great decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I'm setting before you today? Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb. When he said to me, assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while it blazed with fire to the very heavens with black clouds and deep darkness. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of the words but saw no form. There was only a voice. He declared to you his covenant. The Ten Commandments which he commanded you to follow and then wrote them on two stone tablets. And the Lord directed me at that time to teach you the decrees and laws you are to follow in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Think of this as the, like the overture. Some of the themes get played here and they'll be repeated throughout the book of Deuteronomy. He gives you the flavor of what these big ideas are. Moses brings God's word to them. They're supposed to listen and to follow carefully. That word keep, keep my commands, keep my word. It's a lovely word. It doesn't just mean obey. It means kind of have it in your, in your hearts. There's a lot about the heart here as we shall see in the book of, Jeremiah, in the book of Deuteronomy. Rather. They're, they're to listen and follow so that they may live in the land, it says. It's about living well. Living God's way. They're supposed to be a signpost to the nations around them, it says in verse 6. They're to live God's way so that other people around will know. They're to make sure they don't forget. They're to teach them to the next generation and the generation after. They're to carefully obey. They are supposed to be living evidence of God with people. Working in their past and in their present, as we shall see. He's with them as they pray. Did you see that? And they're supposed to be known as a people that, whose God is not just some idea, but who's present with them when they pray. This truth is for them to live and teach to the generations. That's the big idea. That's what Moses wants. So how is that going to happen? Well, there's a couple of big ideas. Here's the first one. He says you're to live with God working in your experience and with God's word in your life. See, Deuteronomy, if you read it through, is always saying that God has worked in history for them. Just like it did in that passage. Moses is always saying, look, remember what happened. This is the story. This was the event. And they remind themselves in graphic detail of how God intervened in their lives and rescued them. And Deuteronomy is saying all the time that God is at work in our lives now. So Moses is saying to the people. That's why there are whole sections in Deuteronomy that say, listen, if you go God's way, then then he will bless you. If you go the other way, then you won't know his blessing. The idea behind that is this God is not some idea, not something that happened in the past. But he is actively with you, involved in your lives as a community right now, every day in the present. That's the point. 
That's where they're supposed to be obeying his word. And as they obey and live his word, they're constantly retelling the story. Why? Because they're still in the story. It's to be a life they live with the Lord. And for us to be sustained, if we're to live beyond the start of anything, we need to know that salvation, what God has done, is a present tense matter. It's about the present, not just the past. It's surely rooted in the past. It's rooted in what Jesus has done on the cross. Uh, that The moment we come to life in Christ and, and give our lives to him and repent and put our trust in him, then we come from death to life. There is a, a dramatic true event that takes place in our lives. But we need to continue. There needs to be a present tense awareness of God in our lives. doesn't mean it's always going to be good. But even when it's rough, we don't lose him. We don't expect to lose him. That's why God's word matters. That's why we're to obey him as we live his way. That's why we teach it to the generations here. That's why we want to live it among the nations. Look out next week. We've, you know, on the fun day, we want to bless the internationals in this community. I, don't, I can't, for security reasons, tell you about the number of people in, in, in our different projects that are hearing the gospel, seeing the gospel in people's lives from other communities. So that's, it was such a joy. I think the last four baptisms have been three Iranians and one Chinese. It's been fantastic. And next week, there will be another opportunity for us to kind of welcome people from every, all the nations that live around here in Portswood. International cafes coming up soon with international students. It's exciting. We're to live for the nations. We're to live for the generations. And we're responding to a God who continues to work in your life once he saved you. He keeps working. He speaks through his word. He challenges our behaviors. He changes our mindsets. He confronts our lifestyles. We need to live in that paradigm of believers that our God is living and active and working in our lives. That's what Moses is saying to the people of Israel. If you're going to be sustained, this is living God's way. And then he goes on in the next chapter, four to five, he reminds them of the Ten Commandments, uh, plus a bit more. And then chapter six, he comes back to this theme again. Have a look at chapter six, verse one to three. Again, you'll see these, the, the reason I'm going on these things is because they keep coming back all through Deuteronomy. Just to prove it, here it is again, chapter 6, verse 1. But just notice there's a little bit extra. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. That's kind of what we've already heard. But what about this? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts and, and so on. I won't... Um, Go on into that. 
apart from verse 10. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities. You did not build houses filled with all kinds of good things. You did not provide. And in verse 12, be careful when you eat and are satisfied. Verse 11, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of slavery. What's added in verse 5? Loving the Lord. Love the Lord. All this commandment keeping, all this living for God stuff, if you like, all this teaching them to your children, all this kind of having God's kind of truth at work in our lives is all out of love for God. And that's our second big point. We need to be living in exclusive love and loyalty to the Lord. And that means there should be no idols. That's what Moses is saying to them. You've got to live in love and loyalty to the Lord. Your hearts have to be for him alone. And this point, you can read all through Deuteronomy, it keeps coming back time and time again. And the danger, as we read, is that they will forget, especially when it's comfortable. Idols, a lot about idols in Deuteronomy. What are idols? Idols are are whatever we really trust in. What you really trust in. Where you get what you really need from. What you really could not live without. It's meant to be the Lord. He made us to fill our hearts in that way. And anything that we we put in, in, in in that place in our heart, whatever it is. You can think about what that may be. Is essentially a substitute Lord, a substitute God, an idol. And Moses is saying to them, be careful, you don't want to get into that. Because the big deal in Deuteronomy is, is that as they go into the land, they're meant to stay loyal to the Lord alone. They're not meant to add anything else alongside him. That's the basis of their whole history. Deuteronomy is an incredibly important book. Because what is outlined here, the rest of the Old Testament tells us how the Israelites kept wandering away from it. And of all the prophets that write, all the the Isaiah, Jeremiah, and all those other, Amos, Hosea, and those guys, are essentially bringing the truth of this book, Deuteronomy, back into the community of Israel. And and, and God is saying to them, you must remain exclusively loyal uh, to me, because I am the Lord your God who's rescued you. And that's the big deal. Because it's so easy to forget. In, in chapter 8, you can read about that. Chapter 8, verse 10, just a page on. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. There it is. And, and then it goes on, verse 12. Or you, you might eat and settle down. Everything goes well. And then verse 14 Your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. And so on. There's this tremendous tendency to forget. Their tendency to forget makes it more difficult. It's a challenge to living in exclusive love and loyalty to the Lord. That, in that passage, points to another problem. There's a heart problem. We saw that in verse 14 there. In verse 14, see what it says? Your heart will become proud and you will forget. 
you can start thinking it's all about you. It's all about them. Now Moses is saying, you'll think it's all because God's blessing you because of your, your good, good works or whatever. And I won't look at it now, but if you want to jot it down, but in Deuteronomy 29, verse 18, there's a, a reference there to how your heart become embittered. And it can grow like a weed. And we have saw that. We've had two Sundays on that. That's what happened to their and their, their fathers, the previous generation. Their hearts were kind of led away from the loyalty and love to the Lord. And it's fascinating. In Deuteronomy, as you read the book through, God makes it clear that actually they will wander. Their hearts are going to lead them astray. He knows. He knows the end from the beginning. And part of Moses' message, as you read the book through, is that this will happen. And they will end up in exile as a result. Which, of course, is what happened. And all the time, a third pressure on them pressure against this exclusive love and loyalty to the Lord, this tendency to, to go for idols, is said, are the people already in the land? The people already there? And even if all those people are destroyed, which actually they weren't, although that's what God told them to do, um, the neighbours that remain, they live a very different way. And there, they, they, and again, you can read it in Deuteronomy chapter 11. Um, let's uh, turn the page I'm going to watch time here Um, again look at the reminder in verse 1 love the Lord your God and keep his requirements and so on chapter 11 verse 1 now look at verse 13 faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you today to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and so on got that yeah that's again that's that theme verse 16 Be careful or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. You'll be enticed to turn away. Turn the page to uh, chapter 12, verse 29. The Lord your God will cut off before you the nations you're about to invade and dispossess, but when you have driven them out and settled in their land and after they've been destroyed before you, Be careful not to be ensnared by inquiring about their gods, saying, how do these nations serve their gods? We will do the same. See? The pressure from even, you know, what's left of the Canaanite religion was going to be the essential stumbling block for Israel in the future. Trouble from the neighbors, if you like. Now, as we go towards something new, as we're either 40, metaphorically 40-something going on. We need to be loyal, don't we, to love the Lord. We need to be realistic about how easy it is for us to forget how vulnerable we are to those things. We need to be aware of our hearts, that it's so easy for us to go after idols, to put something else in the place where God should be in our hearts, to get comfortable That's why we just can't drift in our walking with God. If we do, then we'll find ourselves ensnared around. There's stuff in the culture that will capture our hearts. It could be stuff, it could be possessions, it could be the whole, the worship of sex and the the whole kind of, you know, two or three clicks away and your your heart is grabbed by a demonic kind of idol. You know, you don't need me to tell you that, those of you who know that experience. Trouble from the neighbours. What's going on around us in our culture? What do we do in our life 
to avoid these traps. You talk about that. Have you figured out any ways of doing that? You just kind of carry on. Oh, well, you just see if I fall in one, okay, God will forgive me, I'll get out again. What do I do to keep my life, to keep my heart with the Lord? How am I going to actively keep away from idols? How will we avoid losing our hearts to the gods of our culture? So on the race, we need to beware of our vulnerabilities. Beware of areas we can easily flag and stop or get tripped up. Think about your life. I think about my life. Think about our life together as a church. Really realize how easy it is to forget the heart problems that we suffer from, the pressure from our culture. Now, God's word to them through Moses wants to make them aware of the dangers, and he does. But he does more than that, I'm glad to say. He points to some great resources to help them, rather like the support team in a race, okay? What kind of resources does Moses point them to? Or what are the ways that Moses points them to to avoid just caving in? How will they keep going? Some positive things. Here's the first one. Uh, Lou mentioned it last week, but it keeps coming back. There's always a way back. God's mercy, God's love, God's grace is so great that they can come back to him even when they fall. That doesn't mean they deliberately intend to fall, but when and if they do, he holds out that return. And we need to get hold of that in our experience. There's a reference in chapter 4, verse 29, which uh, you can look up. I won't go to that, but it's a reminder that God says, if you return to me, even when you're away in a distant land, if you're carted off to exile, if you turn back to me, I will bring you back, which is, of course, what happened. There's a, we know, need to know that we can come back. We need to know that for ourselves. We need to minister that to others. There's a huge amount about the grace of God in Deuteronomy. But there's another help. There's another kind of support team that's a great help. Uh, being together and joyful. The book talks about different festivals, different times when they gather together to rejoice. It's in chapter 12, verse 4 to 7, and something in chapter 16. Moses, in this, this speech, he says, at certain times, you need to come together and just rejoice in all of what God has done for you. Together to rejoice. Come to the place where in that time, God, God says, I'm going to put my name in a place. It ended up as the temple in Jerusalem. But there was this thing in their culture. Come together and rejoice in what God has done for you. You can look at those references. It's really exciting. There's a lot about joy in them. You don't think there's a lot of joy in Deuteronomy, but there is there. It's quite uh, uh, sweet to see. Lovely, actually. But, but the other thing they do, and they do that in these festivals, They're to live in the story. They're always retelling the story. We will just have a look at this one uh, in chapter 26, verse 1 to 11, because this is one of the festival occasions, which I'm going to skim a bit, but just have a look at it. Chapter 26, verse 1, page 203. When you've entered the land that the Lord is giving you, etc., he then tells them about the first fruits, this, this festival of first fruits. He says, go to, at the end of verse 2, go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name and say to the priest in office at that time, so that I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land that the Lord swore to our forefathers to give us. 
The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it in front of the altar. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, my father was a wandering Aramean and he went down into Egypt. And they have to tell the whole story as they give their their gift. And then it talks about joy in there as well. Another resource, reliving, remaining in the story of salvation, of what God has done. That's why we celebrate communion. We'll do that in a minute. Every couple of weeks or so, we want to be back in that central story of what Jesus has done for us. The gospel. That's why we're always going on about the gospel, about how Jesus forgives our sins. As we repent and put our faith in him, we can know that infilling and renewal and blessing in the Holy Spirit. So how Jesus has come to life, how it's true. And we need to keep in that story. We need to live in it. And we can do that best together. So don't stop coming together, together. Bring other people. Make it easier for them to enjoy it as well. Talk to them. Welcome them. Make it easy. Make it joyful as we're together, as we retell the story. And then finally, in this... uh, There's a choice, Moses says, all the way through. Moses says, there's a choice. You don't have to fail. You see that in in Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 to 20. I won't read it. I've run out of time. But Moses says, I've put a choice before you. And he says, actually, it's not hard. He said, the choice I'm making to you is not so difficult. He says, you don't have to go up to heaven to get it. You don't have to go right down to the earth. It's right before you. He says, choose life. And the reason it's, it's not difficult, he says, in, I'm going to have to look at it now, First chapter 30 and verse in, um, 11. Sorry, I didn't realize, but I need to get to this point. Verse 19, towards the end of it. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. There we are again. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. That's what the whole thing is about. Now here's a phrase. For the Lord is your life. The Lord is your life. You see, you can choose that life, but the Lord, he is your life. He is the one who enables you to live in that choice. To remain exclusively loyal. Deuteronomy is quoted a lot in the old in the New Testament. One more, one final reference. Jesus was tempted. Do you remember that? He was tempted to put bread before God's word. And he answers Satan with a quotation from Deuteronomy. Man shall not live by bread alone. He's tempted by Satan to disobey God and to put God to the test. Take a shortcut, as it were. And what does he say? He quotes Deuteronomy. He's tempted by Satan to worship something other than God. Actually, to worship Satan. Put an idol in even, even in his heart. And he, he, what does he do? He quotes Deuteronomy. Here's the thing. Our hero has stood the test. He is our life. Do you get that? 
it's almost like you know you jump out of a parachute you can't do parachuting you're strapped to somebody who can so we hold on to him you climb don't know anything about climbing first time up a, or you might know a great deal about climbing but you're kind of an idiot if you don't go up with an experienced one who's got you roped to them same idea see that Jesus is our life so as we go there's a way back we can be joyfully together we can live the story there is a choice in which we don't have to fail that's the point about the choice you don't have to fail because we follow in the wake our hero the Lord Jesus who has um, won the victory ultimately for us it's not inevitable that we fail we can choose to go forward loyal to the Lord away from idols with him working in our experience and his word shaping our lives it's what Moses is saying to the Israelites as they move into this next phase you can I can we can as a community so let's do it let's follow him and hold on to him as we move forward if you want to talk afterwards about the message I'll probably be hanging around here uh, Lou's going to be on the door today and maybe somebody, one of the other elders if, if she needs any more uh, if you want to pray about any of this stuff come down here and pray with the prayer team afterwards